Hello, and welcome to the Blizzard Watch podcast, where we're talking about nothing but utensils. Nothing, absolutely nothing. Certainly not going to be talking about any Blizzard video games, because we're going to talk about utensils and nothing but. No, my lie. I'm Matt Rossi. I'm your host, uh, as I am most weeks, except for those weeks when I'm not. Which so far hasn't actually happened. So, you know, hey, let's knock on wood. Uh, that will continue. With me, of course, are two magnificent co-hosts with which we will plumb the depths of various Blizzard games because, you know, that's what we do. We talk about Blizzard games here at the Blizzard Watch podcast and occasionally, you know, utensils. We like those. Uh, first Forks up, are fascinating. Yeah, first up, the, the man himself, the guy who brought up whether or not utensils look like wrenches, uh, our own editor-in-chief and overall Grand High Poobah, the one, the only, Alex Zebart. And whose name I got correct Hello. for once and didn't call him Adam. Alex, true. what's going on? Uh, not a whole lot. I unlocked my level 3 menagerie today because I didn't realize I hadn't actually upgraded it to level 3. I've been doing the level 2 daily for months thinking I had the level 3. And wondering why everybody's talking about fancy bags that drop pets. But now I can also get fancy bags, so I'm happy. Yeah, I, I haven't done a pet battle in two years, so to me, this was just you talking like one of the parents from a Charlie Brown special. But that's cool. I like Charlie Brown. Well, cool. You know. Then we'll get along just fine. Yeah. Uh, also with us this week, uh, someone who will actually understand what Alex is talking about because I'm pretty sure she does pet battles based on the fact that I just witnessed her do a pet battle. Uh, our own Ann Stickney. Ann, you were just pet battling. Yeah, I was, but that's because I'm leveling pets. I don't actually pet battle, like, seriously or anything, um, and I still don't have a level 3 menagerie. That's that's why I asked I asked today, I said, what's in the level 3 menagerie? And that's when Alex realized that he didn't have one, but he should. So that kind of goes together. Also, I would really like a set of steak knives that look like the ones on this table. I mean, I think they're kind of rustically charming. <laughs> she's, yeah, currently she's referring our to the table. Yeah. Yeah, referring to the table in the garrison inn. Yeah, yeah. the silverware. A, before the podcast, we had a, a rather intense discussion about the the cheese and a forks brief, on the table. A brief, brief intense discussion. Also, I have to object because my plate of food has like a drumstick that looks like it's got a bite taken out of it. That's kind of gross. Obviously, you were hungry. I guess. But I didn't take that we bite. We don't waste anything in my garrison. Okay. <laughs> Hey, it's only got one bite out of it. Serve it's it to so someone good. else. It's okay. <laughs> I remember. Uh, I remember the first time I went to a Ren Fair. You know how they just have turkey legs? Just yeah. Yeah. Um, Do you know how hard to... it is to get a turkey leg vendor? Yeah, for well, a Ren Fair, it's difficult. Anyway, go ahead. We're just we're sitting around talking, me and a friend, and uh, somebody like took a bite out of the turkey leg and passed it to his friend. <laughs> who took a bite out of the turkey leg and then passed it to his friend. And I'm like, oh, my God. Uh, it, was, it was like, you know, I'm horrified. It was like, so what? He just he bit it and passed it on. Like, you're really not going to like it when they start doing the communal cup. I'm like, I'm out of here if there's a communal cup. I am not drinking out of a cup you drank out of. Oh, see, we, we'd like, we, we used to share, like, water skins and stuff like that. No, no. My lips don't touch anything anyone else's lips touched unless it's see, like someone I'm married that to. That reminds me of the scene that's in every Viking television show or movie ever where they're all washing their faces in the morning and they're blowing snot into the cleaning water and uh. they pass it on and the next person washes their face with the snotty water. Uh. Everything that has to do with Vikings, films, television, that scene always exists. It's just weird because Vikings were actually incredibly clean. 
uh, especially by medieval standards. Uh, they were it was actually commented upon by you know medieval writers, including you know by the way, since Alex talked about this today, so I want to make this clear: we have known for literally 500 years that Vikings got down to the Middle East, which has nothing to do with World this of is Warcraft. Not new. But no, the comments are inspired by an article that came out today that was like, new evidence suggests Vikings had contact with the Indian subcontinent. It's like, well, we don't really need that evidence. We've known for a very long time. Yes, it's it's long established. If you want to talk about new evidence, we actually recently, as in 2012, they found evidence of a second Viking settlement in North America. Really? When they found, yes, in Baffin Island. Oh, wow. So they found that in 2012. Uh, it was actually a, a woman researcher. And I have the article somewhere, but I don't have time to look it up because we're going to talk about World of Warcraft. But yeah, that's the kind of thing that Vikings did. Vikings were clean. They were incredibly good tradesmen. Yes, they were also good at coming on shore and burning your town and taking your stuff. That's No one's taking murder away from the Vikings. Excellent murderers and, 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 and pillagers. But they also did stuff like trade and exploration. Okay. Okay. Uh, that actually, I guess that kind of ties in a little bit because Travis Fimmel, who's in the show Vikings, is going to be in the Warcraft movie. Yep. Yes. So it's a kind the, of a, you know. The, the guy who inspires the events of the entire show that is Vikings, the character, is also uh, Lothar in the Warcraft film. Yes. yes. And Lothar, as we all know, is the best warrior ever. Pretty much. Also, also the best Warcraft character ever. And, and really, there's no need for anyone else to be in the movie. It could just be Lothar for two hours, but. Walking I guess that m- might be kind of boring. I don't know. Washing his face, blowing yes. snot into the water. Very, no, he would not do that. <laughs> Lothar had an immaculate beard. Are you kidding me? Have you seen okay. that thing? The only All person, right. only person with a beard bigger and crazier than than Lothar's is Antonidas. Because Antonidas, that guy had a beard. It was crazy. That was and a crazy was, beard. See, that was a wizard what, beard. That's the only thing that creeps me creeps me out about Cadgar. Wizard beards are required. And where he had one. shaved his off. Or it fell out. Yeah. What? When they took his skin off to put it on. No. <laughs> <laughs> he's not a flesh dude. He's obviously being driven around like a giant a robot by a little monster Cadgar, in his head. Cadgar skin suit. Anyway. No, I'm telling was you. That, it's a little guy in his head. Yes, it's like men in black. Yes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Alrighty, top stories that we're going to talk about. Um, the first one, BlizzCon gets an official date. So we now Yay! know what BlizzCon will be. And since I know I'm not going to get to go yet again, I didn't bother to figure out what the date was. I just know it's in November sometime. Uh, what's the actual date? Which one of you two knows? I believe it's the 6th and the 7th of November. Yeah. So believe- there you go. The tickets. I know the tickets are going on sale next month. So if yes, you want to buy... April 17th? Six, 16th and 17th, 16th. I think, something like 16th. that. There's two different days, obviously. Um, they're doing it the same way that they did last year, where, well, pretty much every year that they've done it, um, they have, like, two separate days that they do it. One of them, the tickets open earlier in the day, and I then I think one, one of them open usually, yeah, like, afternoon and one of the evening, yeah. Yeah, once, and that's basically for people that are ordering tickets in Europe and don't want to be up at four in the morning. I believe. <laughs> yeah, something like that. And someone in the in the chat channel, the live listeners mentioned uh, the Anne and Alex road trip. I, I don't oh. know if we're doing that this year. Yeah. Um. If I can get my hands on a ticket, I'll go. But yeah, I um, mean, we've we've done the road trip two years now, and I think we've seen most of the weird stuff we can see on the roads we take. So I, yeah, we would have that, to that, intentionally that, take a convoluted path. Yeah, and honestly, the only way we would see anything new is if. 
I like somehow managed to persuade Alex to let us stop and pick up crazy hitchhikers. In which case, we'd yeah, probably see not. a whole lot of things we never wanted to see. <laughs> well, if you feel like taking a detour up to Edmonton, you could stash one in the trunk of your car. That's a hell of a detour. Yeah, and, and Border Patrol, I don't think that's something I really want to mess with. I mean, I'm but, sure they're like very nice up there. But they're yeah. very polite when they send you to prison. They're very polite when they imprison you. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Also, since we're talking about BlizzCon, last year's BlizzCon, if you saw the costume contest, you didn't really get to see the winning entry. Yeah. And the reason for that, yeah. the reason for that was because there was a problem with the costume and uh, the person who won, Pi Wilson, uh, hurt herself and didn't get to do the walk. Uh, unfortunately and it's it's a shame too because if you've seen pictures of this costume it was amazing uh and i'm gonna let ann talk about this because this is a little story that that i think did you write this up for us yeah i wrote this up um they they did a community spotlight with her uh her name her name well her nickname is pie pie wilson um she uh this was not the first year that she had actually done that costume so she did grand empress shakzir who is like the final boss in the heart of fear really big man to okay it was really really impressive it was also apparently really really heavy and required her to walk on stilts and somewhere in however many hours she'd been standing around backstage her ankle got hurt and she the like the costume kind of broke at that point so yeah we were at blizzcon and I remember them announcing the winners, and they announced her as the winner, and everybody was really confused, and Twitter kind of exploded with, who is this? What's their costume? We didn't get to see their costume. Why did they win? What happened? Um, and then later on on Twitter, somebody, I think it was Bashiak, he finally posted a picture of the costume, and everybody went, oh, yeah, okay, we can see why that won. What you don't realize with these cosplay contests, with the costume contests at BlizzCon, they actually do the judging beforehand, Um, and they choose the winners beforehand, like before they do the whole walk across the stage and all of that. Um, and then, you know, they pick the people that they think are good enough to walk across the stage to do the walk across the stage. And then they announce the people that they chose as the winners. So she had already been chosen as the winner. It was, she was waiting to do the walk across the stage and she fell and hurt herself. Um, but yeah, so that, that it was interesting to see a community spotlight with that. I liked it. Yeah, and, and to uh, give a little more context for it being judged beforehand, I believe the way they did it last year and maybe the last couple of years is uh, they have a room on the second floor yeah. of the convention hall. Yeah. And all the cosplayers go in there on the first day in costume when their costumes are fresh and the judges look at them one by one in that room where the rest of the attendees can't really go. It's a room reserved specifically for the talent and cosplay stuff. And then the evening of the second day, they get their costumes back on and they do the walk and all the judging has already been done by that point. Yeah. And it's so that there's no delay time in between, okay, we've announced or we've had everybody walked and now come back two hours later after we've deliberated and done our judging. No, they do that all beforehand. So there's no delay in the show and it moves fairly quickly, Um, which is actually really cool too, because then the judges actually get to see the costumes up close and get a look at all of the details and everything that go into it that you don't necessarily see if you're sitting in the audience looking up on stage with the lighting and all of that. Have you actually mentioned that she's going to be in the game? 
she is in the game. She's been in the game for a while now. She's got her own little NPC. Um, they added it. I want to say they added it like when the game launched. It might have been a little after the game launched. But if you go out to Talador on the edge of the Oranai Delta, there is a Shaw-touched fairy dragon called Pie Darter. And if you talk to them, they say they're having a really bad day because they worked on a really cool creation, but it, like, they didn't get a chance to show it off. And then they ask you if you want to see it. And if you say yes, then the little Shaw-touched sprite darter turns into Grand Empress Shekzir and says, behold! And it's like the coolest. It's, it's so cute. Um, if you're out in that area, it doesn't give you anything. It's just, it's a fun thing to go do and, and see in game. So yeah, she actually got her own NPC. That was part of the deal for winning, winning the costume contest, which I thought was pretty neat. Um, okay, and before we you know get on to emails, there's one other thing to mention really fast. Uh, if you've been running BlackRock Foundry, uh, all gear that currently drops in BlackRock Foundry is getting a five eye level boost from yeah. LFR all the way up to to Mythic. Does that go so, into effect tomorrow? I don't know. It said hit hotfix this week, mm. so it could be it could be tomorrow. Probably okay. needs a reset of some sort. Yeah, I was going to say that if they're doing their whole server rollover restart maintenance thing tomorrow morning, then they might just kick it in then. Yeah, but uh, basically, for if you've got like, for instance, if you got the normal gear, it'll go up to six seventy. I don't remember what I think the uh, heroic gear will go to six eighty five, mm-hmm. and uh, I forget what mythic gear is. Quite frankly, I also forget what LFR gear is. I think it's six fifty. Yeah. It'll go up to six fifty five, I believe. My my general feelings on this is I do think it was necessary, but I also find it hilarious because we've been through this before. And they've said before that they don't want to do this. See, here's the thing: is it, they, we were already at a place where gear was too spread. This doesn't really make it worse; it just makes it weird. But it was weird before. Doing normal uh, Blackrock Foundry, you, it's like normal Blackrock Foundry is about as hard as heroic um, High Mall, yeah, if not a little harder. And the gear is worse. And, and it's, it's, it's not even. Yeah. I mean, for me, it wasn't even a difficulty thing. It's just like, okay, I did all of Highmall. I got all this gear. I have a new sprawling raid with bunches of bosses. And the stuff dropping is just not worth the effort. It's, it's just nothing I can use. There's so yeah. little difference. Like, it's this brand new content, but it holds nothing of value. Yeah, I, for me, it wasn't that the not, nothing of value thing wasn't true because I wasn't geared at all. But I. What what I'm wondering, and this is me asking and, and seeing if you guys have any kind of response to that. Do you think, had they... Okay, so what we've been hearing is that, obviously, High Mall and Black Rock Foundry are both considered Tier 1. Tier mm-hmm. 1 raids, right? Only there was quite a bit of a break between High Mall and Black Rock Foundry. If that break hadn't been... So wide, like if they had been released a little closer together, do you think this would have been an issue? I don't really know because you're, you're talking like people you had a lot of Mists, time to farm yeah. time all before Blackrock right. came out. Is if what you I'm look, at, if you if you look back at Mists of Pandaria, when they had the uh, intro dungeons there, the intro raids. Yeah, they all launched relatively quickly upon each other. Yeah, they like, did. There was like a two week difference between them, I think. Yeah, and that wasn't enough time for anybody to like just farm the living heck out of any of them. I forget how much the the eye level difference was between them. I know there was a slight difference, but it wasn't a big one. 
honestly, for me, the problem it isn't... It wasn't huge at all. For me, the problem isn't the difference between the raids in terms of, like, difficulty or gear so much as it is the fact that each raid has four difficulties. Yeah. Like, you run High Mall, you're running a High Mall and LFR. Then you can run it on normal. And while you're running it on normal, you can run it on heroic. And while you're running it on heroic, you can theoretically run it on mythic. So that's four possible raids you can run in that one place over this and over again. This sounds really familiar. And yes. It reminds even, even me they... of this horrifying round room that I spent way too much time in in Wrath of the Lich King. <laughs> and, you know, they, they consider these two dungeons the same tier, except they didn't set it up like, for example, Burning yeah. Tempest Keep and Serpent Shrine. You can get a full armor set from just High Mall, and then you're supposed to upgrade the full armor set again in Black Rock Foundry. Like, that's can not... I, see, that can, feels can like you? two different tiers of raids. Like, all the tier, um, all the tier gear that I can think of drops in, in BRF. Well, not the sets. Like, I can't like, think of any... Oh, not yeah, not that's the, the actual, thing. like, class all the, sets. All the tier drops in BRF. That feels like BRF is its own raid, and it's not on the same tier as I'm all. Right. So if, they, if they both dropped some tier, then it would feel like they were connected. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so they don't. they set it up like two separate tiers, but they're saying it isn't, and they released it in a really weird way where they kind of invalidate each other in some ways. Kovarian in the chat channel says that normal Mogushan was four eighty nine and Heart of Fear and Terrace of Endless Spring, those were four ninety six. So they were pretty close to each other. But yeah, two of them were a little bit higher than Mogushan. I know we yeah, were talking but those, about that. But those two were themselves linked yeah. in difficulty. I just I don't know. It, you couldn't well, go to Terrace without beating Heart of Fear at first. Yeah. yeah. And the the thing about BRF versus Heimol is I mean, there's enough gear in either instance to kind of feel like they're separate instances. I know you can be, as Alex said, you can be completely geared up from Highmall way before you even go yeah. near. Well, that's what gear. I'm wondering if if that's what part of the problem is, is that they left enough time there that people were able to farm Highmall to the point where it kind of invalidated those earlier levels of Blackrock Foundry gear. And what I'm wondering is if there had been less time in between releases so that people didn't have all that time to farm would that have? I don't know because one of the things. That or no, it might, but it might not because I mean, one of the things that Alex was talking about: Serpent Shrine versus the Eye. Yeah, Tempest Keep the Eye. You couldn't get a full set of gear in either of those instances. You had to do both. You had to run both of them. They felt connected. The gear that was the same felt eye like level, the same tier. Yeah, like they were. This doesn't linked. really. This is no. mu- this isn't even like. Bastion. It feels like two tiers. Yeah. Bastion, uh, Bastion of Twilight, and uh, Blackwing Descent felt like a tier of rating. Yeah, they had like the, the tier gear was shared over bo- both of them. The gear was the same eye level. The, the difficulty of the fights wasn't entirely the same, but it was you know they were both in the same ballpark in terms of how they were designed. Whereas this, I mean, the gear is different levels. The fights are different. Highmall, I mean, Highmall just isn't as hard as BRF that just isn't uh, some of the fights in BRF are much more complex. They have, they require a lot more. I find Hi- feels, way more fun. Yeah. <laughs> I'm all, I'm all is a, is very much an introductory raid and it, it is an introductory reason, raid by itself. It doesn't require BRF to be an introductory raid. I almost feel like they shouldn't even release them as two is the same tier. They should have just said, this is, here's your new raid. Boom. Yeah. That would have felt like it came out fast. Yeah. Right. If it, if we had just said up front, here's your new raid. This is a second tier of rating. 
that would have we would have been like, really? It's only been a couple months. Not yeah, man, but then it's been a couple months. Would have said, oh man, our first tier of raids. It's only one raid. What is this? Yeah, that's you know? true. The they reason it's that. funny to me is because Wrath of the Lich King. We kind of had the situation where they added new raid difficulties. There were you know such a widespread. And it got to a point that adding all of those difficulties resulted in huge eye-level inflation. Yeah. And when Ghostcrawler is still on the WoW team, I believe he specifically cited that problem in Wrath of the Lich King as the reason eye-levels and damage numbers got completely out of control. So now we get to this expansion. They add a new difficulty. They have this weird raid set up. And they have to bump eye levels. It just so, feels kind of funny to me because they the just finished situation. squishing all of these numbers. They just and finished the squishing squish everything. <laughs> was a result of the eye level inflation that happened. And now they're going to pump it all back up again. So are they going to do a squish every expansion? Is that what's going to happen here? Or? Let, me t- let me tell a story about a rogue I had in a, in a dungeon recently. I've, okay. been test- I've been testing out tanking and playing around with gladiator stance and playing around with tanking again. Okay. So I was doing uh, Skyreach. And in Skyreach, there was a, a rogue in that group who had 345,000 health. I, as the tank, had 290,000 health. How did they get 345,000? Mythic gear. Oh, boy. Wow, was that guess much how, of a difference? Yes, and guess how high his DPS was? Crazy. 70, 70k. Huh. In Skyreach, compared to the next highest person at 30k. Oh boy! So it's it is starting all over again. Already, we are, or, we are already into mid, like higher than wrath, lower than top cata levels. Do you remember when we were doing cataclysm? We were leveling through cataclysm's content. The the numbers we were getting at that point, we're heading into that again already. Yeah. So I, I it's rare that you will hear me say this, but I think I agree with Alex that and there's just so much. I think there's like a six levels of gear right now from rating like you start at like 540 something like that yeah yeah you start at like 540 and you end up at like six something not 640 kind of weird this time because they need to have they need to have a gear level for regular dungeons and Uh then they need to have a sufficient bump to go to heroics and heroic dungeons honestly are sometimes harder than high mall lfr but high mall lfr is another big jump in gear yeah so even dungeons their relative difficulty is weird yeah, and contributes dungeons, to this eye-level stuff. Why would you want to also- go do heroics when you can just jump into LFR, run around like a chicken with your head cut off, and come out with better gear? Dungeons yeah. also have the problem right now, though, of, you know, you don't know what you're going to get with your group. Like, I had a group last night where the other problem happened, where one of us was doing, like, only about 8K DPS. And the other two, the other two DPS started complaining. And I'm like, well, who cares? Like how little he's doing. He's the only one here who actually needs the gear. Like every one of us is here is here for their their fifty resources. He's here because he actually needs to gear up. Of course, he's doing less DPS than we are. <laughs> We're all in raid gear. Right. Like, what, what do you expect? And they just wouldn't stop. They wouldn't stop complaining about his DPS. I'm sitting going where everything's dying. The spread is it, it's exactly like it was. And the funny thing is, is this used to be what happened at the end of expansions. Yeah. Right now, it's happening right in the middle, like the early middle too. 
I, we weird. should go talk about emails, but I wanted to like at least cover that. Okay. I do think that they had to do the buffing into the gear because there's really like it feels really strange when you, like something drops as you're working on progression and you're like, yeah, no one. Oh, yeah. This. I mean, I just do LFR these days, and I was doing Blackrock and got a few drops, and I was like, okay, well, I have this lower eye level item from High Mall with, you know, uh, mastery and multi strike, and then I have this item from Blackrock that's supposed to be an upgrade because it's higher eye level, but it's, you know, versatility and whatever. I'm just not going to use it. Yeah. None of this stuff feels like an upgrade. Like, the stats aren't enough of a bump for me to justify, you know... Yeah, but imagine now Switching. if you've been if you've been doing heroic Heimall and you get into BRF, oh, yeah. and, you know, be it, even worse. Yeah, but all right, we're gonna do some emails because we do that on the show. Please send your sh- your emails to Blizzard Watch. Uh, was it podcast at blizzardwatch.com. That's correct. Yep. That's the email address. So we like to look at a bunch of different ones. So we've got a bunch here this week. Um, first one is from AJ. And he says, hi, Watchers. Uh, do you think Blizzard will ever change a character's body type to suit its class? I, it doesn't make sense for my mage to look like he spends more time lifting in, in our ancient tomes than actually studying them. I know Blizzard values identifiable silhouettes for PvP, so wouldn't it be better for the game if casters actually looked like the nerds they are? Thanks for reading, and thanks for keeping the podcast running, AJ. I don't think they want to make casters even more obvious targets than they already are. Yeah. Like the second we're rogues, can I see somebody I mean, in a dress, I try and kill them. Right. Uh, if if they're in a dress, or I think for a second they might try and heal and or cast a spell, I try and kill them as hard as I possibly can. Plus, half the time you're carrying the giant glowing kill me stick. Yeah. That's what I called Benediction back in vanilla. It was the kill me first stick. Yeah. <laughs> people. Everybody people saw hate, that, and I was immediately the target. Immediately. People hate healers, and they hate casters. Yeah. Because, they will take you, know, you out. You know, if you don't, the, you know, the caster will do horrible things to you and the healer will make it you know, impossible to win. So, But in terms of body types just in general, I've always had that thing about thinking mages, like like human mages. Well, humans are always the worst. Like they're Bro, the worst. The worst. out there yeah. pressing some Absolutely the bones. worst. Um, especially human males. Uh, the faces in human males at least aren't so terrible anymore. Like they I look love reasonable. their faces now. They're yeah. fantastic. They kind of look a little surprised, but they're not. At least they're not, you know, like just hello. the range of expression is fantastic. Yeah. I love it. I, I love what they did with the human, the human yeah. models. I think they're great. But yeah, the humans look incredibly beefy, and it is weird when a human mage comes out and he's like, "Salt, yo, dude, I'm totally swole." Yeah, <laughs> dude, you live. So oh, kind I of lift. a fantasy thing, though, right? I mean, like you read about, you know, elves, you know, the not the. I know, I know Rossi, so he's going to get on me about this. Not Rossi's kind of elves. The, the modern fantasy elves where they're always, you know, tall and beautiful and slender without exception. And that's kind of the fantasy trope. And Warcraft is very much about that. Like, they have their vision. Like, humans are these broad, strong, tall dudes. And that's just how it's going to be. Torrens yeah. are always going to look the way that they do. Trolls are always Although, going to look the man, way that they do. You know, skinny Torrin, man, that guy. I feel that bad. That would be weird. It's like, what's up with him? He just doesn't eat. I don't know. We've tried everything. Skinny orcs would be even funnier. They look like the pale. Everyone would be like, ah, oh, it's a pale. I'm not a pale. I'm just not big. <laughs> look, I'm the one orc who doesn't like to lift. All right. But yeah, I. I don't think it'll ever happen. I think Blizz likes its silhouettes and it's never going to 
change them that much. I mean, I think I look at what happened when they changed the character models as much as they have. We, there has been a lot of back and forth on the character models. For every person who's really thrilled about them, you get someone who absolutely hates them. Uh, so I don't think they're going to invite the monkey, you know, the monkey's paw of sure you can have a different model based on your you know class type. A, it would be a ton of work. I mean, think about it. They'd have to develop at least what three models per race per per gender of race. Something so you'd have like to that, yeah. have to have like the the slim the 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 really skinny cloth wearer, the leather mail wearer, and the plate wearer for every race. You know, and you couldn't like skip them in case you wanted to put in like a class that that race doesn't normally have later. I can't think of any race that doesn't have all all the four armor types though. I think they all do. Just redoing all of the armor models by themselves would be yeah, insane. Yeah, it's a ton of work, so I don't think that's going to happen. I mean, there are games that do the body sliders thing, but I, I can't see that ever coming to WoW. WoW just doesn't work that way. All right, next question is from Rage Biscuits, a gnome warrior. Howdy, I have a question about one of the cutscenes in Shadowmoon Valley. Uh, at this point, everyone knows this one. When Velen magically pokes Rel on the forehead, what's the significance of the sigil that floats there? Did he just gift to the Naro her before else happened? Thanks. The show is great and y'all are great. Rage Biscuits. Uh, Anne, you go first. Haven't we been asked this question before? Like, a lot? I don't think we, I think we've been asked this question before. I don't remember if we did it on this show. Okay. So. I, I generally don't answer this question when it comes up in the queue either, and it's specifically because I don't know. <laughs> I don't, know. I don't know if it's like he's transferring ownership of the Draenei. Here you go. You're in charge now. Or if it's just like, boop, everything's going to be okay. Or what? Here's the keys to the Exodar. Here, I'm going to give you the profit button. You know, I mean, I don't know I what just, that is. It was never really defined, as, you know. Like, I didn't see it as anything particularly, uh, like, magical. Like, oh, she's the prophet now or whatever. I just took it as a symbol of, you know. I have to do this thing. I pass the mantle on to you. You be the hero now. I just kind of I, thing. I like that. It's just the magic. Boop. That's what that was. That was that. I'm <laughs> like, going to die. Here you go. Boop. There you go. You know, just like boop. I, yeah, I just like the boop noise. I'm sorry. <laughs> but like, no, like, I don't know yeah. what that is. They haven't. They haven't said flat out anywhere. There hasn't been a quest anywhere that said, "Hey, Yorel, where'd you get that thing on your head? What does it mean?" And then she sits down and said, "No, they haven't like addressed it anywhere." Yeah, like the other Dren, I don't immediately look at her and go, oh, "You're the prophet now." You know, there's just he did something. It meant something. We don't know what. Right. He didn't explain in his little will after he died when he gives you the book and you go and you like go to his shrine and he's like, oh, hey, cool, you're here. Here's what was happening. In nope. case you didn't know what was going on. He never once says, oh, and by the way, you're all totally the prophet now. He just there was that. no instruction Not- book for the boop. Yeah. I, I wanted to finally just tell people that I didn't know, quite frankly. I, I, I'm sorry, know, so- Rage Biscuits. And by yeah. the way, I love your name, but... <laughs> we really don't have an answer for that. So, as soon next... as we do, we'll be talking about it a lot. I'm sure. Oh yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I might write a tinfoil hat about what it might mean, but you know, I don't know what it actually means. Yeah. This next one is from Xanos, who pronounces his name Xanos, which is good actually that you told me. Uh, he's a prot red paladin. So now I'm imagining the red paladin as like a red panda, 
in in like judgment I'm armor. I'm Red Paladin needs food badly, but in, that's just because there, I'm old, probably. Wasn't there a red version of the Paladin Banana Shoulders set? Yes, there uh, was. Yes, there in fact, was. I have it. So yeah. this person is always wearing red bananas. Okay, there we go. <laughs> He's Aren't the, those plantains? Or am I crazy? They might I be. Plantains are actually a different crazy. fruit than they're different fruit than bananas. They look similar, but they're not the same. Anyway, he's from Convert to Raid Galleon, uh, messy but effective, uh, Airy PQS. Hello, quintessential quartet. Hey, Aww, hey, I like that one. I get to have the stone powers. You get to one of you has to be stretchy or invisible. I don't care which. Adam is of course the guy who turns into flame. I just keep thinking of that like achievement from Mists where you get the. Anyway, sorry. I Go missed ahead. the reference. Fantastic Four. Anyway, oh. my question is pretty simple. Why do we still have race and class restrictions? <laughs> Aside from the obvious extra work for druids, shouldn't any race be able to play any class at this point? No. Surely, from a lore standpoint, there has been time and enough curiosity from someone of every race to look at other classes. No. Even the could you let me finish the questions? <laughs> okay, you go ahead. <laughs> Even the aforementioned druids make sense, but again, I'll give them a pass because artwork slash modeling. There are even some examples of non-playable combinations in lore. Grim Totem Torn have rogues for starters. I find it hard to believe an undead can be priests and a warrior, but not a paladin. We even have the example of Sir Zeliac. My basic theory here is I just don't see how gameplay or lore should restrict this anymore. Any character with enough curiosity and motivation could have, in the time or have been given WoW, learn the ways of non-traditional class options. So why not just open it up at this point? Let players play the character they want to. If you introduce a new class and have story reasons for it, fine, but by the next expansion, it seems it should be lifted simply for the passage of time. Me, I just want a Pandaren Druid and Paladin. Love to hear your thoughts slash rebuttal on this. Thanks for reading and keep up the wonderful work. And you had something to say, I think? You're not going to be a Pandaren Druid because the Pandaren were not present when Cenarius was actually teaching the arts of Druidism to the Night Elves. I'm sorry. Neither were the trolls. Neither were the trolls. They but the be trolls druids. were involved with the Loa. Which made sense. Okay. Yeah, but th- what I'm, but it doesn't mean there can't be reasons other people can pick it up. A bear turning into a bear is about the stupidest thing I've ever heard. How's that another reason? How's that for another reason? You're not going to see a pandaren paladin. Everything is stupid. <laughs> You're not going to see a pandaren paladin because they weren't around for that whole learn the light business. Like specifically, actually, if I want to look at a citation for this. When you leave the Wandering Isle, if you go to the Alliance capital, one of the things that the little pandaren that are with you on this journey says is, "What's the light?" Because they have no cognizant idea of what the heck that thing is. I, I'm really willing to accept the idea that the Pandora have a fundamentally different idea of how the light works. And Possibly. that's why they can't be paladins. But I don't find the idea of they weren't there for when it happened compelling anymore. We, we, we worked around that. I just don't want to see it opened up. The thing I is, is like when you homogenize it so much that anyone can be anything, there's nothing special about the story anymore. Yeah, here's the thing. I, I don't agree with that, but here's what I do agree with. Only one class is cool enough that everybody should have it, and that class is warriors. Yes. As far as I'm concerned, the rest of you should be restricted as much as possible because you're just not as cool as we are. I'm pretty sure that anybody could be, okay, warriors, rogues, I think anybody could be a rogue. No, not if you've got hooves. That's the party line. If <laughs> That's you've got the funny hooves, part you because uh, you've never seen a hoofed mammal be really, really quiet, and boy, can they. Oh, no, they. I have. Uh, um, I grew up on a farm. Okay, so... so Hunters, warriors, rogues, and 
they should all be allowed. What, all of those should be allowed. I'm thinking. Too. I mean, huh? everybody's got priests. Priests, yeah, because everybody should have a healing class. Period. Paladins are one of those things where it's like it's been ingrained into the lore. There's a specific way that it works, and it has this really detailed Except, history that see, is. See, I don't buy that things. anymore. It's the same thing because they did Torn Paladins. Yeah, but there was Torn a Paladins. The Torn are Paladins different. They Torn? don't even have the same lore as the rest of the Paladins. They're no, not they even don't. close to the same thing. You know why? Because so they, they can forgot do this about for it for ten thousand years, Alex. It's been there <laughs> in the lore the whole time. Anshi has been there in I the love floor this the whole because time. I can just like, let look, these two go. Okay. At, for at least the duration of World of Warcraft, in the history of the game, every single race in Azeroth that we know of has been interacting with people who worship the light. Every single race probably just has people like that. Just because they've cool. observed people worshipping the light doesn't mean that they've learned to master the tenets of the light themselves. And I can't see a forsaken going, oh yeah, I want to practice compassion and goodness and all this other stuff that the light a requires in order to function correctly. At the beginning of World of Warcraft's timeline and is now a teenager practicing as a squire to a paladin. Okay, and they can would be able to wield the light in that amount of time. An adult. You realize somebody troll, born at the beginning of the world of when World of Warcraft launched would be ten. I don't know what the actual timeline is. Ten, Alex. <laughs> it hasn't been that long. Actually, though, but 10 in ten years, a grown adult could figure this out. See, I just honestly, my problem isn't that I don't think it's possible for a story. I think that it kind of, I think Ian's right about the dilution factor. It just, it homogenizes everything. Because the thing is, is you've got certain classes that have particular flavor because they've got this massive backstory about how, you know, ancient druids mastered this thing with the ancients and the Loa and the blah, blah, blah. Or, you know, you've got this whole thing going on with the light where it's a mysterious thing and some races have somehow learned how to, like, master it out of nowhere. And we still don't have an explanation for that. But there's, there's like this history that's sitting there, this big ball of history. And if you just say, okay, everybody can be everything, it chucks all that history out the window and makes it See, insignificant. If somebody asked me this question a few years ago, I would agree with you completely. Yeah. Because, I mean, that was totally my stance. But now, I just think for gameplay, people should be able to play what they want. And class quests don't happen anymore. And the class quests that were in the game that gave you this history, I just they think don't that exist if you anymore. did that for gameplay over story, you're basically saying that the story, the story behind this game means absolutely nothing. Like, there are no paladin quests anymore. If you rolled a paladin today, you wouldn't know what the hell you were. So you can't... I don't think you can use the story justification when the story literally does not exist in the game anymore. All I of those do, quests are gone. I do think that they should have these class quests back again. I think that they did the game kind of a disservice by removing them. I and think I think that, if they kept doing those quests and they were still in the game, I would probably understand the restriction a little more because the quests were written specifically tailored to the history of that class. Quite frankly, I'd like the to history see Paladin doesn't matter quests. Anymore. I would like to see Paladin quests in place, particularly for Tauren players, so they understand what they're doing and what this whole mess with Anshi is and all this other stuff. And the fact that we haven't gotten any class quests or anything, it makes me feel like they're kind of pulling away from the story, which is really disappointing to me. 
because that's one of those things that they've always leaned on. That's one of those things that makes a Blizzard game a Blizzard game is the amount of thought that they put into the story. And so I want to go on more about this, but we actually have another email I want to read. Okay. So. I'm sorry. Uh, we could argue know. about this forever. <laughs> yeah. I will say this much that for me, it's more focused on race than class. Like there are some races I just don't see doing certain things yeah. less than class wise. But I think humans actually are the one race I could buy in any class. Because they're humans and humans do weird things. Humans will do things just, you know, out of perversity. I don't see a human being a shaman, but. I have no problem believing a human could do that because in real life, humans are shamans. I guess. (laughs) But that's two different meanings, too. Yeah, it doesn't matter. It's something any any human can do anything. Look at Vrykel, they have shamans. Yeah. Uh, okay, greetings, watchers. This one doesn't have anyone didn't sign this one. So, greetings, watchers. As a longtime Janai player, I'd like a little bit more into the fantasy of playing a space goat. However, I don't know much about them. What I do know isn't very flattering. Supposedly, they're supposed to be some of the most capable warriors and magic wielders, as their long lifespan gives them ample time to hone their skills. Although, from what I've seen slash read, they are portrayed as pushovers, always avoiding something by ne- or needing help. <laughs> Furthermore, why is only why is the only sensible Draenei? Marad's thirst for vengeance called into question. He's a retribution paladin. He's supposed to dish out judgment and punishment. So what am I missing? Or do the Draenei's only possess a half dozen spines between their entire race? Plus, do you feel that Draenei need more Marad's? Uh, okay, I'm going to let I, no, no. you answer yeah. that, Rossi. Yeah. Um, first off, the Draenei are almost always way outnumbered. First off, they're fighting the Burning Legion, and 90% of their race became the Eridar. Only a few thousand chose to leave and, and become the core of the Draenei. Hundreds of thousands, if not millions, or even more, went along with the Burning Legion and are now the Eridar. So that's the kernel of the Draenei race, out, outnumbered and outgunned from the start. Uh, secondly, even as they've, they've been going around the universe, the you know whatever you want to call it, the uh, twisting nether, jumping through dimension ships, going from world to world to try and find a place where they can settle down and rebuild. And every time they do that, the Legion shows up because uh, Kil'jaeden is incredibly vindictive. And he brings with him the might of the Legion. You've seen the kind of things this guy does when he finds them. He, he doesn't just show up by himself. He brings a whole party. And it's not the kind of party you want to attend. So, yeah they've been leaving because they don't, their other option was to die. And they've known this. They've known that no matter how good they are, no matter how good they are with magic, no matter how skilled they are at arms, they are hopelessly outnumbered. Secondly, they're afraid to get too into the the violence and vengeance aspect of their culture because they don't want to become, they know that they're good at this stuff because if they weren't, Sargeras would not have come to their home planet Argus in the first place and recruited them. He was looking for officers in his army and he got them. And you'll notice the Legion doesn't often lose. He got good officers. The Eridar are exceptional at what they do. And the Drenai know that inside them is that exact same aspect. They're like that. They have to watch out for it. The reason that they're kind of giving Murad the, the side eye when he gets into his let's we should just murdered every single orc in their cribs. When he says things like that, they're kind of like, dude, uh, you know, those Sargari guys, you sounding like them a little bit. Uh, can we dial back on the wanton murder? You know, because that that way leads to, you know, armies going across infinity, conquering everything. You remember that? Those are those are the guys we don't like. So 
yeah, I, I personally agree that Murad's anger was justified. I mean, he went through, you know, what he... The thing that most of the Draenei on this Draenord will never understand is what the Draenei from our world went through. The ones that you play, like if you're playing a Draenei and you went through Blood Mist and Azure Mist, if you're playing one of those Draenei, you are the hardened survivor of, like, a massacre that took out nine-tenths of an already small group. There's not that many Draenei left. And all of them are hardened survivors. So yeah, you're a badass because you'd have to be just to have endured this long. But it's just, it's always a situation where if you die, that's a huge loss to your people. Every Draenei has to live with that. They have to know if I die, that's like, you know, that's ticking away at the clock of extinction for my people. I can't afford to throw my life away. We can't afford to stand and fight just because we want to fight. That way, you know, that's the extinction of our race. So, yeah, they have that. They have the Naru. They've got Velen's example. They've always got a lot of people reminding them, we don't want to turn into this. And moreover, we don't want to try and throw our lives away. We, we have to be very careful because this is it. We're the last uncorrupted vestige of our people. We're the last bit of Argus that's left. Everything else is destroyed and corrupted and wrong. I mean, the, the word for they, they used, when they talk about the Eridar, they call them Manari. And that word means just something horribly wrong. It doesn't even have an actual meaning. It's, it's like, that's the bad thing. It's, you know, they're very serious about this. So, yeah, it's, it's not a question of, you know, Murad being the only sensible Draenei. As much as I love Murad, and I think he's great, and I, I'm kind of sad about what happened, I don't think they could survive a race of him. Like, even too many no. more Marauds, and they'd all be dead. They, that's why Yorel's path is different. Yorel looks at the situation and goes, you know, sometimes you do have to fight. Absolutely, sometimes you have to fight, but you have to pick your fights. We can't afford to, like, decide all orcs are our enemies, because there are simply many, many more of them than there are of us. And Marauds' anger is uh, interesting in the larger reaction people have to characters that are written as angry, and even sometimes the story itself's reaction to people who are angry. When a character gets angry in the narrative, players are like, that's ridiculous. You know, this is a horrible person. Why are they angry? Like Jaina Proudmoore, everybody's like, it's so unreasonable. Jaina is, you know, angry. Like, dude, her city got nuked. She she should be angry. Everybody? (laughs) It's not just that her city got nuked. Her city got nuked by people that she let her father die to placate. Think about that. She loved her father. She didn't. It wasn't an easy thing for her to do. She wasn't like, oh yeah, screw that guy. Even after he took over the city, even after he like you know basically demoted her from her own settlement, she was like, well, you know, he, he's my father. There's got to be a way to work this out. There's got to be a peaceful solution. And when she had to step aside and let that happen, she did that thinking, well, I, you know, this is horrible, but. If it it's leads to peace, good. Yeah, yeah. If it leads to peace, then I have to accept it. And Theramore Other people, was just kind of a slap in the face that said, "Yeah, you let your father die for nothing." And yeah. it's it's a player. She reaction. should be angry. It's a player reaction when they say people aren't supposed to be angry, but it also comes up in the narrative when a character is angry about something and super justifiably angry, like everybody's dead. Somebody else in the narrative is like, "Hey, you have to calm down. You, you know, you can't be angry." It's like, no, you can. Like. People get angry, and sometimes it's healthy to be angry because 
you can't ignore these things happening. There's a no, difference it's... between being angry and being irrational that I think maybe many of the denizens on Azeroth like don't understand. Even the occasional even... irrationality is very human. Like people, right? It's human, but the, you know? in the narrative, there is that. There is a bit of that. I, I let's look at the character who's the most obvious poster child for anger leading down the wrong path. We'll, we'll talk about Arthas. Okay. Because that's exactly what Arthas's arc is. He was justifiably angry. Pretty much, he was enraged that he was, you know, being led around while people died to this plague. And when he finally got to, you know, Stratholme and was like, "Okay, we've got this demon cornered. We know where it is. We we have to stop this thing from spreading." He was angry when he made the decision, but he was still, on the face of it, even with Uther saying, "You know, you know, not my king yet, and I would not obey that order, even if you were." What did Uther have as an alternate solution to that to, to, to Arthas's decision? What was Uther's you know idea? Arthas's idea is we go in, we kill the infected, we destroy the city. Uther's idea was we let them all turn into undead. Right. It's I mean, like I'm, I'm surprised that somebody else in the world agrees with me on that assessment because I feel. Like, no. Arthas wasn't given an alternative by the people who were supposed to care about him. Even if they could, you know what the, Uther's response should have been? I understand how horrible it is, but if we go in there and kill them, we're destroying anybody who might somehow be immune. We're making the decision that no one can possibly survive and taking away any hope. We, if we cordon off the place and wait, yes, it'll be horrible, but at least we won't have murdered them. It's like, you know, that would have at least been an argument. He didn't have one. Uther had no argument. That's something you see a lot in WoW. The in order to set up the you know the conclusion that we we know we're going to get the, the you know when Arthas goes over the line and he did we know he did he went too far he his anger clouded his judgment we we kind of suffer a shorthand at times where we don't get there's no back and forth here there's no argument what did Jaina expect him to do she just turns and walks away what was he supposed to do I want to say that. Maybe it was in the novel. I'm not sure. The novel but, goes but into it a little there, bit more. It, there was a little bit more of a back and forth there. And they said something about, you know, they could go back. They could try and find a cure for this thing instead of just murdering everyone. But again, you know, tight timetable. What yeah, else he, could they do in that moment? It, yeah. The novel is a little bit revisionist, too, because and that little. was the story originally told. Yeah. I mean, what we had to go off of was Warcraft 3. Right. Now, but going back to Murad, I think Murad's thirst for vengeance at that point wasn't a thirst for vengeance. Murad wasn't trying to get revenge, and that's pretty important to point out. He was trying to stop it from happening again. Because he, we, if you watch the Lords of War, Murad lived through the fall of the Draenei. He lived through the fall of Shatrath. He witnessed He's, the worst yeah. of the worst. Yeah. He wasn't sitting there going, we want revenge against the Orcs. He's like, if we kill them all... It won't happen. You That's know, and what he's trying to yeah. do here. Is it's he's a distinction. It it, it's still horrible. You don't want to murder people who have nothing to do with it, and a lot of the orcs don't. You know, they're they're pretty pretty helpless in the face of what their clan chiefs might decide. One leader's the same as the other to them, but it's still it's not. He's not just like let's kill the orcs because they did a bad thing. He's let's kill the orcs so they won't do it again. So you they know? don't get the chance to do it. Yeah. So it's it's a little different. His his mindset 
which I do believe was irrational by the end, but also in the very end, he showed rationality because when he dies, he dies because he made a choice to protect someone else. When given the option, if you watch Lords of War, Murad is given the option to protect people or to pursue vengeance, and he pursued vengeance. And the people he was supposed to be protecting died. So when it comes time on that boat, he chooses not to pursue vengeance. He chooses to protect Yorel and die. He makes the choice he wished he made the first time. So that's actually a big deal uh, for Murad. And it's if you do the garrison campaign, you get a little bit more into Murad's actions and his fate afterwards. So I recommend doing that if my damn quests would pop. Uh, Have you checked yeah. the Druid Cave? Yeah, I checked the Druid Cave, nothing. Okay, <laughs> most people get hung up on the creepy Druid Cave because it's yeah. so far out of the way. Yeah, no, I went down there last night, nothing. Hmm. Okay, we got a little bit of time, and we should probably get through one more email. Uh, I'm trying to find one that's relatively quick. Let's see if we can make it a quickie. Yeah, this one. Ooh. I'm going to go with Sunshine's yeah, first one. I like that so, one. Uh, Sunshine says, uh, Hello, Lord Legionnaires. Uh, Sunshine, no mage from Doomhammer US. Not sure if you discussed this before. But my question is, do you need two people to open a dark portal, one on one side and another on the other side? If so, who was on our Azeroth side for the Iron Horde? Thanks so much for your thoughts, Sunshine. Uh, Anne? The person wearing the Khadgar suit? No. Um... <laughs> Uh, I think, if I remember correctly, it was probably, uh, oh my gosh, I forget her name. Actually, I don't think it, we needed one on Zayla. our side. Zayla? Yeah, Zayla was there, but we didn't need her. They hijacked the dark portal we already had. That's yeah. true. It was already up and running, so, so they didn't really need somebody to open it, because it was there. It was already pre-existing. They just the changed first- the frequency. The first, the first time the dark portal was opened, yes, we needed somebody on each side, and we had somebody on each side: Medivh on our side, and Gul'dan on the other side. Now, when they created that dark portal, it was impossible to destroy it. Yeah, even even when yeah, even when Cadgar blew it the heck up, it, it was just, still just, yeah, big hole still in there. I'm letting you talk. That's why I shut up. Oh, no, I was just agreeing with you. That's all. But I think, yeah, we didn't really need anybody to open it on our end this time because it was already open. They used all the funky magic that they were using was pretty much just to direct their portal to our existing portal, not, you know, open a completely new connection. Although, um, I guess if they needed help with it, Zayla was there and understood what was going on. Because she was war crimes, it made it pretty clear she knew what was going on. Um, yeah, and of course, you know Anne's theory about meat suit guy—the <laughs> guy in the Cadgar suit. <laughs> but I mean, the other possibilities too. If you think about it, they had three people on their side this time. Yeah, they did. They had Gul'dan, um, Terengor, and Cho'Gal all, all wired in, fueling the thing. Yeah. So maybe they didn't need two because they had three. Oh. Quite, quite frankly, it's getting an episode of Stargate with all like <laughs> the dialing into the new port. So yeah, but yeah. Okay, that pretty much wraps us up for tonight. Because uh, otherwise, we go way over because we have a bunch of really long emails. This keeps happening, and I apologize to anybody who didn't get covered. Uh, we are going. To, I do keep going back through them and bringing emails forward. So if there's a chance, we'll get yours. 
Uh, but that's pretty much the show for tonight. Thanks everybody for listening. Uh, I especially want to thank whoever made Cadgar's meat suit because you know, well John, well done. I gotta say, you know, in all seriousness, no matter what turns out to be the lore with that character, the actor is phenomenal. He's fantastic. And and I don't know your name, sir, but I know you've been in. You played Braytac on Stargate, which is what led me to think about that. And you're one of my favorites. I I really there's been a lot of great actors in this one. I, I we've already talked about. Gul'dan, and we found out that that was Troy Baker, by the way. We had a discussion last week about who Gul'dan is, and we found out it's Troy Baker. Yeah, and, and then, you, know, you know, I honestly wasn't surprised to learn that, because this podcast is just Troy Baker three times, and he plays everyone in everything. <laughs> I am Troy Baker. <laughs> honestly, I think... everybody. <laughs> I don't know who did the voice of Spike in Cowboy Bebop, but I'd want to be whoever that was. So, if that was, was Troy Baker. Baker, no, that wasn't Troy Baker. That was oh, how do I forget? How did I forget his name? Because he was really irritating me for a while because he was in every video game. <laughs> so maybe it was Troy Baker. No, Troy Baker is the new that guy. Oh, I have to look it up. Steve, but we Bloom? should end the show. Steve Bloom, yes. yeah, he Steve was Bloom. In- for a while, he was everyone in every video game, and then he kind of dipped off, and then it was Troy Baker. No, the thing is that Steve Bloom went into animation a lot more. Steve Bloom is all over animation now. He's yeah. Well, Steve very, Bloom started in animation. animation. He did yeah. voiceover for like anime because because no, you but know, he now he's doing spiked. now he's doing mainstream like he does mainstream stuff now. But right. that's you know he we need to get him in WoW. <laughs> yeah. I Let's love you, wrap Adam. Up. Enough, enough about Steve Bloom. Enough about Troy Baker. <laughs> Good night, everyone. Let's Thank you for off. listening to the show. Do uh, you guys have anything to say before we leave? Uh, if you want to support uh, Blizzard Watch, you can do that at patreon.com slash blizzardwatch. If you don't want to, that's cool, too. <laughs>